friend, you're listening to Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Each week, I'll bring you inspiration, motivation, and empowering learnings to help you navigate life's unexpected terrains. I believe that the more we know, the faster we grow. So each week, I'll be teaching high-level coaching concepts that you can apply to your real life. Here's to accomplishing big dreams, believing in your inner champion, and living a life filled with ease and joy. Like all navigational tools in the 21st century, I fit right in your pocket. I'm a life coach in your pocket. Happy listening. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket with me, your certified life coach, Rachel Bailey. Today, I want to talk to you about some of the most important lessons that I learned to listen for as a life coach and how you can take these lessons from a life coaching perspective and apply them to your own life, specifically around figuring out why a problem is in your life in the first place and how to move forward. Now, different life coaching certifications teach you how to listen in different ways. So the first lesson I'm going to be teaching you comes from NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And in this certification, life coaches are taught to listen in such a way as to fill in the gaps that the client is not saying. And we are told actually not to necessarily believe our clients. And that might sound harsh, especially if I'm taking it out of context and putting it into a different context where you're not getting all of the background information as what does that mean not believe your clients? Like your clients are lying to you? No, not at all. What we're actually taught is that everybody's experience of the world, their version of events, are filtered through these different filters in the brain, which produce a story, which produces an outcome. And the outcome or someone's story of events, someone's perspective on reality is completely shaped by their past history, their past memories, their value system, how they were raised, so many factors. So two people could experience the exact same thing and walk away with two completely different meanings, different messages, a different story of that event. So let me bring this down to how it applies in a coaching session and then why that even matters for your life. If I have a client who says, my boyfriend is selfish, my boyfriend is a jerk, my boyfriend doesn't care about me, my boyfriend this, my boyfriend that. If I were just their friend, if I was just this client's friend, my role as a friend would be to validate and tell them I'm so sorry, maybe give them some advice around what to do about their boyfriend that's selfish and doesn't care about them, right? But that's not life coaching. A life coach is supposed to question that story and say, I wonder why they think that their boyfriend doesn't care about them. What are the behaviors that the boyfriend is doing that is sending out messages to this person that they're not cared about? Is the boyfriend really a jerk all the time? Or is the boyfriend doing something that's triggering the client? Now, as a coach, it's sort of my job to figure out the why piece. Why is this client saying that their boyfriend doesn't care about them? What is the root cause of this story? Because I need to help the client move forward. And moving forward could mean different things to different people. Maybe to this client, it's, help me break up with my boyfriend who's selfish, or maybe it's help me reframe some of his behaviors so that I see that he actually cares about me, or somewhere in the middle of those. But it's not my job to really give the client advice. It's my job to sort of unpack the story and help the client put the pieces together. So the client can say, aha, I understand why I'm saying this. I understand where this is coming from. I understand why I got involved with this person in the first place. Now I know whether I want to make this relationship work or if I want this relationship to end, whatever the outcome may be, that's up to the client. It's really my job to sort of unpack all the pieces for them and lay them all out in front of them and say, this is what's happening in your brain. This is what's happening in your mind. This is where the story is coming from. What do you want to do about it? Now, I will say as a coach, I'm holding all of the possible realities at once. I'm holding space for the possibility 
that maybe the boyfriend really is a jerk. And in that case, my job is to figure out why this client is attracted to this person in the first place. What is it that's keeping them in this relationship where they are not empowered enough to make a different decision, to move on, to end the relationship, to find someone better, etc.? Simultaneously, I'm also holding space for the possible reality that maybe the boyfriend is a great guy. Maybe he's a perfect partner for my client, and yet my client is being triggered by something that the boyfriend is doing or not doing, and the client is only seeing the negative pieces of the relationship because maybe the relationship is a reflection of a past hurt or a past wound, Maybe the client is projecting on the boyfriend. Maybe he's a great guy, but there's something in the client's mind that is poisoning the relationship. Now, no judgments either way, and I'm also holding space for any other potential possibilities, yet sort of my job as a coach is to figure out the riddle, to figure out what's going on here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the tools and the questions to help you now decipher your own problems in life. If I teach you how to solve the Rubik's Cube of what's going on in your life, then you can figure out, is something amiss in my brain, in my filters, in my past, in my hurts that's causing me to project negatively onto this person, onto this situation, onto this event? Or is it the opposite? Is this person maybe not a great person or this situation is not a great situation? In which case, Why am I allowing it in my life? And the distinction is extremely important if we're going to be the most empowered version of ourselves. I want to bring you this lesson because I have heard multitudes of life coaches go on and on and on about you are the reason for all of the problems in your life. Now, when they say that, they're not wrong, but they're also not being clear about what that means. And I've seen this teaching go sour with people who take it way too seriously. They take it way too far and they're forgetting that there are multiple reasons for problems in their life. So really quickly, what am I saying when I say someone can take this lesson the wrong way? If somebody hears a life coach say, you're the reason for all the problems in your life, all the problems in your life you create because of perception is projection. You're projecting everything. You're projecting the people in your life. You're projecting the situations in your life. You're projecting how you feel about everything. It's all on you. Everything that happens to you and everything that you do is all on you. Then someone walks away from that lesson. They go back to their actually crappy, selfish, terrible boyfriend and they say, how can I change the way I feel about this person? How can I change the way that I interact with this person? How can I change the way that I communicate with this person? How can I change the way that I love this person? And they adapt and they adapt and they adapt and they adapt and the relationship doesn't change. And then the person's going, why am I creating this situation? Why am I projecting this reality? Why is my situation not improving? It's me. There's something wrong with me. I'm a low vibrating person. What is going on? Well, what's going on is that you need to leave the situation. Now, is it still your responsibility to leave the situation? Yes, it is. So in that respect, you are continuing to manifest the situation that you're in. You are continuing to choose the situation that you are in. However, let's know the difference between I need to adapt. I need to change my thinking here in order to save the relationship, in order to save the situation, in order to feel better about my life versus I need to vibrate higher and empower myself and believe that I can walk away from this situation and get a better situation. Okay, so let's dive in into how to dissect a problem to know, is it me? Do I just need to feel better about this situation? Do I just need to change my mindset? Do I just need to be more positive? Or do I need to walk away? How do I know the difference? First of all, we need to understand that there are three different levels of problems in any given situation. There are three different levels of problems in any situation. The first level of problem is optional. In other words, not everybody goes through step one or problem level one. 
Some people skip level one and go to problem level two or step level two, however you want to label these different levels of problems. So let's go over what is the first level of problem. The first level of problem, oftentimes coaches will call this a presenting problem. A presenting problem is something that happens that is a situation or a person or a behavior that's outside of myself. So that's the example I gave you. My boyfriend is selfish. My boyfriend doesn't care about me. That is called a presenting problem or a level one problem because I'm not owning the problem. The problem is outside of me. The problem is happening to me. This could be anything on a scale from one to a hundred of seriousness. One being somebody else left dishes in the sink and obviously that person is inconsiderate. This would be a presenting problem. Or we want to talk about like super seriousness would be somebody else is abusing me. Okay, so something is happening to me and I'm talking about it as if it's happening to me. That's level one. Now, obviously something like abuse is a serious problem. So I'm not saying that level one is only for minute problems. That's why coaches call it presenting problem. I'm just giving you number language to keep track. But a presenting problem means the client is showing up to talk to me about somebody else or something or a situation that is happening to them. Presenting problem. Now as a coach, the first question that you kind of access when you're very first learning how to coach someone is, hmm, okay, so if my client shows up and they're spending the first 10-15 minutes of the session talking about their husband, how do I, hmm, what do I do? Because the husband's not here and the husband's not the one in the chair doing the mindset work, so do I just listen to them and Maybe give them some advice about how to deal with their husband and like, that's the end of the session. No. So that's why we're calling it a presenting problem because the coach can't really coach the client if the client continues to stay talking about the person or talking about the behavior or talking about the situation that is outside of them. At this point, the client is totally disempowered and also the coach is a little bit disempowered to support the client because the client isn't seeing any ways to support themselves. Does that make sense? They're a victim of circumstance. This is happening to me. I don't know what to do about it. And the coach is like, well, I don't know what to do about it either. But actually, if they're a really good coach, their brain will go to, Where is this problem coming from? Why is it here? So their job, the coach's job, my job, is to take the client from presenting problem to the next level, level two problem, which is called the greater problem. Now, remember, I said some clients will skip level one problems and go to level two, or they will go directly to greater problem. Greater problem is how the client is thinking and feeling about said person, about said circumstance, about said outside annoyance. It's their own associated thoughts and emotions that are running through their mind and body. So whereas a level one presenting problem might sound like, he is selfish, a level two greater problem would sound like, I feel sad about that. It makes me think I'm not important. It makes me think that I'm not heard. I'm not seen. It makes me think that I don't matter. Now, level two problem is really important for the coach to get the client to. Because if the client is now owning their thoughts and owning their emotions, the client is empowered to now make some decisions about, do I just need to reframe how I'm seeing this? Instead of thinking to myself, okay, when my boyfriend leaves the dishes in the sink, Maybe it doesn't mean that I'm not important. Maybe the meaning is just that he keeps forgetting to put the dishes in the dishwasher or he needs to learn better habits about this. So instead of me owning the fact that I'm not cared about, maybe instead I reframe the messages that are going on inside my brain. Or 
is the boyfriend actually being selfish and I deserve to walk away from this situation? Now, solving that question and figuring out the answer, I don't know yet as the coach because we haven't gotten to level three. However, level two is really important. It's the client's associated thoughts and feelings because what we can do at level two is look for patterns around these thoughts and emotions and then decipher where that pattern is coming from and why once we get to level three. So the question I will ask my client at this point is, hmm, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that you don't think you're important and you feel sad when this happens. I have a question for you. Where else in your life, if at all, do you think that you're not important and it makes you feel sad? This question is significant because it allows the client more perspective where they can back away from the situation, they can back away from the event, they can back away from the person that's triggering them and look at their own patterns of behavior and look at their own life and say, where else does this show up for me? Or in other words, is this a pattern? How is this a pattern? Again, I'm holding the possibility that the client is going to say, oh my gosh, this is such a pattern for me. I feel not important at work. I feel not important to my parents. I feel not important in my relationships. I feel not important in my friend groups. And this is why this section, level two of coaching, is called greater problem. Because it's taking the thoughts and emotions from one event, from one person, or from one outside circumstance, and saying, okay, what is the connection between this event and anything else going on in your life? And it allows the client to look around themselves and say, oh, this specific thought, this specific emotion, this specific trigger is everywhere in my life, or it's a lot of places in my life. Recognizing that this thought, this emotion, this trigger is a pattern for me is actually empowering because it allows me to take ownership of what I'm feeling. It allows me to take ownership of how I'm reacting. So instead of it being, my boss is a jerk, it is now, oh, my thought that I'm not important is actually mine to own. And I can reframe how I think and feel about my interactions with my boss. Or I can decide, well, he's just a jerk and I'm no longer going to feel not important. I'm going to work on that feeling in all areas of my life until it goes away. So either way, the conversation is no longer about changing someone. The conversation is about changing myself, changing the client. So that's why looking for the greater problem is a significant part of the coaching process. It's also the part of the coaching process where the coach shifts the client from effect to cause. I've talked about effect to cause on other episodes, but I do want to review it really quickly. And it's important for you to analyze where am I in effect in my life? Where am I at cause in my life? So even if you've heard these terms before, it's a great refresher and a great reminder for you to go, hmm, where am I at effect and where am I at cause? So effect, remember, is me experiencing feeling like a victim of circumstance. And feeling like a victim of circumstance can show up for five seconds when someone cuts me off on the freeway, or it can show up for 10 minutes after I've had an awkward conversation with someone and I feel bad about it, or it can show up for months or even years at a time if I'm stuck at this place in my mind where I'm like, the world happened to me. It wasn't fair. I'm going to throw myself a pity party. Now, there's no judgment around being in effect because it's a part of the human experience and it happens to everyone at these different levels and these different scales from five seconds to a year or two, kind of depending on the hand that we're dealt in life at certain times, right? Some seasons are hard and that's warranted and you're allowed to feel your emotions around it. In fact, when I have a new coaching client, when they, and they learn these terms of effect to cause, they will oftentimes try to rush to get to cause because that's quote unquote the better place to be, and I'll explain that in a minute. Yet the reality is we have to go through the effect piece first. The effect piece is my negative thoughts and emotions, how it's affected me. And that's why it's called effect. How this circumstance, how this person, how this event has affected me. 
And that's why it's called effect, because I feel as though I'm at the effect of some outside cause. The analogy that I love to use is if someone kicks a ball, then the ball goes flying, right? So when we are the ball flying through the air because of someone else's decisions, because of some outside circumstance, we might feel out of control. We might feel that it isn't fair. We might feel bad. We might feel emotions about what's going on. That's all normal. That's part of life. The problem with effect is that if I am out of control or I have no empowerment around what happened to me, around the situation, and I'm stuck there, then I'm going to be living as a victim of circumstance. And we do not want to stay there if we're going to live the best possible life for ourselves. We want to go back to being the cause of some other effect. So being an effect might sound like, I no longer trust men because my boyfriend cheated on me. So the effect comes first. This is the effect. I no longer trust men because the cause was my boyfriend cheated on me. Now, hopefully at some point, this person will have a shift in their language and a shift in their mindset where they will change the structure of the sentence and put the cause first and say, because my boyfriend cheated on me, I am going to seek therapy, heal myself, get through this, and meet someone better. So that's putting the power back in my hands, back into my life. Instead of saying, I'm a victim of a circumstance, I'm saying, wow, that circumstance sucked. What am I going to do about it to empower myself? So that's being at cause. So this part of the coaching section, level two, is greater problem. Where else does this problem show up in my life? And what ownership can I take? How can I empower myself to move through this, to move forward? Now, we might not have all the answers. We might not have the perfect solution yet, but we are starting to make the shift from a victim of circumstance to empowered at level two. When we move to level three, this is really important for both the coach and the client to understand why was this problem created in the first place? So let's take the greater problem of I'm not important, let's say. And the client is going through life realizing, or they're going through the session more aware now that, oh my gosh, I'm not important shows up everywhere. It shows up with my parents. It shows up at work with my boss. It shows up with my friend groups. Why is this a pattern? I don't understand why this is a pattern. Well, the general answer of why people create patterns in their life is because the subconscious mind is doing the same thing over and over and over again to get a new result. Now, logically, we know that that is the definition of insanity and that it makes no sense to do the same thing over and over and over again, hoping for a different result. So why is the subconscious mind doing that? If right now on this podcast, I go, dun, 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 dun. What two beats did you just fill in either out loud or in your head? Dun, dun. Now I'll give you the full beat so it doesn't drive you crazy all day. Dun, 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 dun. Your brain has to fill in the ending because if it doesn't, it's this open loop that's unfinished, that's unresolved, and your brain craves resolution. Now, this is sort of a clunky way to describe what's going on in the subconscious mind when someone recreates a pattern over and over and over and over in their life, they're looking for resolution. They're looking for a different ending. So let's take that to a real life example. You're free from this example. I don't mean to trigger anyone. It's just an example that I think we can all relate to on some level, which is if a child grows up in a home with alcoholics, that child might swear to themselves, I will never drink. I will never be around another alcoholic. This will not happen in my life. And then they grow up and one of two things happens. They either become addicted to alcohol or they end up in a relationship with an alcoholic or both. Why? They swore that that would never happen to them. And actually there's a book about this subject called It Will Never Happen to Me. 
So if I'm bringing something up and I'm touching a chord, I would recommend that you read that book. It's an excellent read. Now, the psychological reason why this happens is because the now adult who was a child in an alcoholic environment gets into a situation subconsciously where they're trying to heal parent wounds and past wounds through recreating the same circumstance in their life with somebody else, with some other situation, in hopes to resolve it. It doesn't make sense logically, but subconsciously, we pursue our childhood traumas over and over and over again until we get healing. So let's take a much less traumatic sample. Let's say somebody is going through their life and we're talking about their life in a coaching session and they realize the pattern is, I'm not important. Well, my job as a coach is to help them understand the very first time that they thought this, felt this, believed this, and received this as truth. Because if we can find the first time, we're going to find the very first domino in the domino effect of the pattern. This is the third level of coaching, the third section that we're trying to get to, level three, which is the root cause event. So in a coaching session, we've gone from outside circumstance, this person, this situation is annoying, to how does it make me think and feel, to how is this thought or emotion a pattern for me, to when was the first time I thought, felt, or believed this. Once we get here, the client has amazing awareness around why this pattern is showing up in their life, why it comes up everywhere, and why it's coming up today, why it's coming up right now around whatever it's coming up around, the boyfriend, the dishes, the boss, whatever it is that's triggering them, they now realize, oh, the trigger is triggering me because of a past event. Now, if I were going to be a therapist, I would therapize the client around the past. And we might spend weeks, months, years talking about the past. That is a therapist's job, and I have an excellent episode called The Difference Between Life Coaching and Therapy if you want more details about this. However, this is just a reminder. As a coach, I'll, all I'm doing is showing the client this is the first time event, and then allowing that awareness to take over into the present as far as knowing that information now that this was a root cause event that caused a pattern in your life that's coming up today, what can you learn from the event? What can you learn from the experience to pull those learnings into the present? Now, it doesn't happen that quickly. We spend a little bit of time talking about what happened in childhood so we can get the unmet needs. We can reframe the learnings from the root cause event and then pull those learnings into the present. That's a coaching session. Now let's come back to the present right now. At the beginning of this podcast, I said, I'm going to take you through a coaching process because when a client comes to me and they say, my boyfriend is selfish, I don't know if the boyfriend is actually selfish or if the client is just projecting on their boyfriend or it could be both. It could be that this client pursues selfish men on purpose, recreating past trauma in their life over and over and over again, looking for resolution in the wrong places. So it could be one of those three things. However, we don't start off the coaching conversation understanding. Is it me? Am I just feeling this way because this thought and emotion is a pattern for me and I'm projecting it onto this other person? Is it this other person who really should be up-leveling their behavior and their vibration? Or is it this other person and it's me pursuing a trauma or pursuing a negative thought in my life subconsciously? The whole point of coaching is to give the client awareness around the answer to that question. So they can have awareness around their own thoughts and emotions, around their patterns of behavior, around their root cause events in their life that are creating patterns in their life. So then they can take all of that knowledge and make an educated decision about moving forward. What is 
moving forward to me? Is moving forward to me having conversations with my boyfriend about what I think and feel and seeing if he can adapt, if he can grow with me? Is moving forward maybe ending this relationship, taking a break from dating for a while while I heal these different parts of my subconscious mind? Then I can pursue someone that's vibrating higher because I will be vibrating higher as well. I am not to tell the client what to do. The coaching session is to provide awareness. Now we're going to get to the meat of the podcast, which is the tips and strategies that you can apply to your life with all of the information from today's episode. How do you know if you're just being triggered by something and you need to reflect on your own thoughts and emotions, maybe reframe how someone else is showing up in your life, or Do you deserve to vibrate higher and get out of that situation and get out of that relationship? The first tip I have for you is to actually spend some time in self-reflection. So tip number one, self-reflect. I want to encourage you to explore your own emotional reactions. Are your triggers rooted in the past? And if so, a great question you can ask yourself is, on a scale of one to ten, How much of my reaction right now is due to the past and how much of my reaction right now is due to the present? So allow yourself time to reflect on your past and go, okay, this is sort of a mirror of what happened when I was 10 years old. And if I were having to scale it, I'd say maybe it's 80% past, 20% present. The present moment, the present circumstance the present emotion isn't off the hook, then the person bothering you doesn't get like a free pass necessarily just because you're getting triggered. Yet it's awareness around how much of this is rooted in the past and how much of it is rooted in the present. Also, spend some time reflecting on, is this thought or emotion I'm experiencing right now a pattern for me? Where else do these thoughts and emotions show up in my life? Is it one place? Is it in two places? Is it all over the place? Because if it's all over the place, more than likely we've got some inner healing work to do. Now that doesn't necessarily let the other person or the situation itself off the hook. So the second tip I have for you is to look at the patterns in the situation or the patterns in the relationship, specifically around the communication patterns. When you speak to this person in nonviolent communication, meaning no you statements, no blaming, you did this, you made me feel this way, but instead taking ownership of your thoughts and feelings, such as, I am feeling a little bit not important in a relationship, and I just would like to talk to you about how I'm feeling right now. If you speak to this person using communication skills, how does the other person show up? Do they listen? Do they normalize, acknowledge, validate your emotions, try to find solutions with you? Or do they gaslight you, tell you that it didn't happen, that you're making it up, that you're being dramatic? Are there consistent patterns of disrespect, manipulation, or emotional abuse? So along with this tip, I'm going to give you some red flags that you might want to look out for in this dynamic, okay? And if there are red flags... It's not just you. There's some contributing factors coming from the other person or other people in this dynamic. So if there is, I would say disrespect. And disrespect would sound like you're overreacting. This is not a big deal. Why are you always, fill in the blank, being dramatic? If they're constantly interrupting, talking over you, ignoring or dismissing your feelings, If there's any name-calling or derogatory language, if there is belittling or mocking, then this is an unhealthy conversation and these are red flags. And you can point out the red flags and say, you know what, when you interrupt me, I feel disrespected. And I think that we should come back to this conversation when we are both able to hold space. Or if there's name calling, then I'm just going to walk away. So you can set boundaries around the red flags. However, if those boundaries are still getting you nowhere and you're saying, if you're going to yell and scream, I'm not going to have this conversation right now. If you're going to name call, 
I'm going to go for a walk. If the ba 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 happens, this will be my response. If you've laid that out in this relationship and set up some good communication boundaries and the other person or other people in the dynamic are still not respecting you and holding space for your thoughts and emotions, then this is an unhealthy relationship and it's time to maybe end the relationship or end the situation. Now, if there's manipulation, it would maybe sound like this. If you loved me, then you would dot, dot, dot. So if this person is trying to manipulate you or making you feel guilty or responsible, if they're blaming or shaming, or if they're emotionally blackmailing with threats to get what they want, if they are playing mind games or intentionally causing confusion, like, are you sure that happened? Things like that, those are manipulation tactics to control. The, to control. And so this is a situation, this is an unhealthy relationship, an unhealthy dynamic, and it's time to move on. Gaslighting. This is kind of one of those buzzwords that people throw around, but what does it actually mean to gaslight? So gaslighting is denying someone's experience altogether. So denying someone's experience altogether would be sounding like this. It did not happen that way. You're misremembering it. Or, well, if you hadn't have done this, then I wouldn't have needed to respond like that. That's blaming and shaming, and that's shifting the blame and taking no responsibility. That's gaslighting. Invalidating the other person's feelings. Or flat out lying and twisting the truth. Distorting the facts. Or maybe just ignoring altogether. Uh, I was in a relationship one time where I didn't know that that's what my boyfriend was doing, but he had kissed a family member right in front of me. And when I tried to talk about it with him, he just ignored me for like three days. And then I tried to break up with him over this because it was a pretty significant event. And he had excuses, said he was drunk, doesn't remember it that way, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, he was showing me his true character by denying me, ignoring me, dismissing me, and telling me that he didn't remember it that way, that is a red flag. Those those are giant red flags. So if you're in a situation with someone where you're like, I'm doing the mindset work, I'm trying to be a better communicator, I'm trying to raise my vibration, and you're looking around at other people in your life, and you're like, why are they not evolving with me? Well, then you've come to a You've come to a crossroads and you may have a decision to make about whether or not you're going to continue to evolve and leave this person where they are and they can choose to come or they can choose to stay, but you are going to move on. The point of tip number two is that if you have tried communication, if you have tried over and over again, and you're looking at the patterns of communication in the relationship and feeling like the trying isn't getting you nowhere, It might be time to move forward. It might be time to move on. Tip number three is to look for evidence of the opposite. Look for evidence of the opposite. So in other words, if I'm seeing this person as black and white, right? And I'm saying they always do this or they never listen to me. You're going to look for evidence to the opposite. Well, Are there any times where they have listened to me? Are there times where they have allowed me to feel important? You're going to be looking for the evidence to sort of play devil's advocate with yourself and highlighting the significance of trust and support in the circumstance or in the dynamic or in the relationship. Now, I would suggest that you only do this if you've gone through tip number two and said, There are no signs of manipulation. There are no signs of gaslighting. There are no signs of continual disrespect around communication. Because if the communication is always a struggle, it doesn't really matter if this person is kind, buys you gifts, you know, tries to kind of earn their way 
out of communicating with you, they don't get to do that. So you're only going to be looking for evidence to the contrary or evidence of trust and support if the circumstance, the situation, the person has come out of tip number two smelling like roses. And then you're like, okay, we can, maybe we both can improve our communication, yet there's mutual respect in our relationship. Let me look for evidence of trust and support in the relationship. Or what are, what is evidence of the opposite of what I'm saying the pattern is? If I'm saying the pattern is they never listen to me. Well, are there times where they have listened to me? And if there are, let me collect more and more and more evidence of that so I can focus on that. And that becomes what I see when I look at this person. Because remember, what you focus on expands in your life. If you're looking for the listening, if you're looking for the gratitude, if you're looking for the good things in a situation, in a circumstance, in a relationship, you'll find them. Tip number four is to establish healthy boundaries. Establish healthy boundaries, whether this be with a colleague, a working relationship, a working dynamic, or a romantic relationship, make sure that you have healthy boundaries. Now, what do I mean by make sure you have healthy boundaries? Your response to any given situation is on you. So what do I mean by that? If your boss is constantly asking you to work late and you're constantly saying yes, the fact that you're always working late is actually on you because you're the one always saying yes. So you might be disgruntled and you might be in a little bit of effect around your boss always asking you to work late. However, how much ownership can you take around the fact that you're always working late? Hopefully, you can get to a place where you can take ownership of that and say, I'm not going to work late anymore. So that is going to require me to say no continually to my boss when he asks me to work late. And perhaps I would even recommend having an initial discussion with your boss before he asks you to work late again and say, you know what, for my mental health, I have to leave this place at 5 p.m. And that's what I'm going to be doing from now on. I once worked at a place where whenever anybody took time off, the other employees that worked there would be disgruntled and gossip about that person for taking time off. And I remember feeling really uncomfortable about that because I needed to take some time off. Yet where I came to was the fact that this place is understaffed is really not my fault. And it's not my problem. And if I need to take time off, then that's a boundary that I'm going to set in my life and take time off when I need it. And I even went so far as to talk to my manager at the time and say, look, if I'm going to continue to work here, I'm going to need some flexibility around my schedule. And can we make that happen or should I leave this job? Having that conversation just made it so much easier for me to take care of me when I needed to because I knew I have permission from my manager to take the time when I need it. And if other employees are going to be disgruntled about that, that's really their thoughts and emotions to work through. It's not my problem. Another example of boundary setting is I had a client. Oh gosh, this was a while ago. I'm going to say probably four years ago. I had a client that would text me these really long, in-depth, emotional text messages around nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. Now at night. And I had never told her, hey, please don't text me. So that boundary wasn't really there. Um, and I had also not set any boundaries around appropriate times to text me back. So I would respond to her initially, like responding to those text messages at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And then I realized that there was a little bit of resentment building up on my side because this was happening pretty much nightly. Now, instead of getting mad at her... I actually had to get mad at myself and be like, why am I allowing this? I need to establish the boundaries here. So on our next call, I said, listen, I really don't mind you texting me. It's because it's really not about the texting. It's just you need to know that if you text me at nine or 10 o'clock at night, I'm no longer going to respond until my office hours. And she completely understood so from her perspective, she was like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to respond. I just, 
you know, that's the time when I was doing my thinking and wanted you to have this information before our next session. And so I'm the one that established the boundaries and said, not a problem. In the future, can you please email me these thoughts and emotions that are coming up for you? And I will respond during my office hours. So that was a boundary that I set. Instead of saying, you can't text me anymore. Telling somebody else what they can and cannot do is not necessarily coming from a place of empowerment. So what you want to do instead is look at what can I establish as a positive routine in my life to create healthy boundaries. I'm giving you this example because I had been feeling triggered around the text messages at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. But that didn't necessarily mean that I needed to end the coaching relationship with this client. It meant I need to understand why I'm being triggered is because my boundaries are being crossed. Boundaries that I have emotionally, but I haven't set up physically in the real world. So once I set up those boundaries, those boundaries were respected. And then I could see, oh, this relationship is good. It is beneficial. It is healthy. We just needed some boundaries. This is different than trying to set boundaries and having someone bulldoze over them over and over and over again. Okay, tip number five is to evaluate how often you feel healthy emotionally in this dynamic, in this situation, and in this relationship. If you scale this, how often do I feel emotionally healthy in this relationship? Scale of one to 10. And you come out with a seven, eight, nine, 10, I'd say overall, your relationship is looking great. If you scale this and you come out with a one, two, three, four, five, six, I would say the relationship itself is vibrating really low. Being triggered occasionally is completely normal. However, if you're looking at a consistent anxiousness, unhappiness, drained feeling in the relationship, then it might be time to consider walking away. Which brings me to tip number six. Tip number six is to vibrate higher. If you want people in your life, situations in your life that are happy and healthy and vibrant and fun, then that is your responsibility to vibrate so high that you attract those types of situations to you. Like attracts like. So That is part of your responsibility when you're looking around at your life going, why is everyone around me grumpy and unhealthy and accusatory and critical? Well, maybe that's a reflection of how you're vibrating right now. So what can you do to increase your vibration so that either those people get uncomfortable in your life and they leave or you feel the high vibration and the empowerment to go find better for yourself, to find better friends, to find better community, to find better relationship. When you're looking around at your life, ask yourself, does what I want vibrate here? Is what I'm hoping for in my future the same vibration as my environment now? And if the answer is no, It's time to vibrate higher and get yourself a new environment. I'll give you an example of this. This is just an example. If I were working with somebody that was single and wanted to meet someone and I have them describe their perfect mate, right? And they're looking at their perfect mate and they're saying, okay, they value fitness, they value spirituality, they're healthy, they're funny, they're vibrant, they have good finances, they're smart, they make good decisions in their life, and they go on and on and on about how wonderful this person is. And I say, that's fabulous. That's great. Now, are you vibrating high enough to attract this person to you? When you read that piece of paper, are you the embodiment of those things? Because if you're not, we must first work on your list. We must first work on your health. We must first work on your finances and your vibration in order to match the vibration of the partner you're looking for. Vibrate higher so you can move forward in your life, so you are empowered to walk away from situations that no longer serve you or don't serve the best possible version of you, and you know that. 
Which brings me to my last tip. If you need help vibrating higher, tip number seven is to hire a life coach or a therapist or a counselor that can support you in moving forward. If that's you and you're like, okay, I'm ready to vibrate higher, I'd recommend that you check out my group coaching course called Transform. I have a wonderful example of a live Transform class on the podcast, episode number 67 from Resistance to Results. If you listen to that episode and you're like, wow, these people are actually shifting, they're actually learning things, they're moving forward, they're creating results in their life, and you want to be a part of that, it's $597 for 12 weeks. If you do the math, that's less than $50 a session. You cannot get coaching cheaper than that, I promise you. So I will leave that link for Transform in the show notes. You can just click on it. It will take you right there. You can sign up. We start February 17th. We run for 12 weeks. Classes are recorded. So if you have conflicts during the live sessions, don't worry about it. You're still going to get significant results just from being a part of that class. If you would rather work with me one-on-one and that's more comfortable for you, then you can do a consultation with me for only $97. And I will leave that consultation link in the show notes as well. And we can go over what's coming up for you in your life and kind of create a more personalized plan. And then I can give you a personalized price for how long I think you deserve to be in the one-on-one coaching sessions with me. Coaching is absolutely my passion. I love helping people tap into what they want to do in the in their life, what they want to create in their life and who they want to become. And then helping them evolve into that person is something that just lights me up inside. So I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you found it helpful, please share it with someone and go ahead and leave me a review if you haven't already. Reviews help the show get seen by a larger audience. And um, that would be just such a wonderful gift. I would really appreciate it. I hope you're having a fantastic day, a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time. Remember, life is a journey. You're the one in the driver's seat. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Life Coach in Your Pocket. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, Or if you're looking to get involved in one of my coaching programs, you can reach me directly at coachrachelbailey.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.